All right, well, let's uh, turn to the Word of God. If you were in Sunday uh, school this morning, I said, man, I said, uh, he either did an introduction to the message or did half of it or whatever. But I said, that's good. That's good. We can see that thought. So if you were in Sunday school, we're adding on to that. If you weren't in Sunday school, well, I'm glad you're here. But uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, 1 Timothy chapter 4. And we'll read verses 13 through 16. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Read verses 13 through 16 in the Word of God. So just so you know, I am preaching from the Word of God. It even says it right there. See, can't doubt I'm preaching from the Word of God. I don't know. Hopefully, you, that's what you have in your hand, too. First Timothy chapter 4. I know. Yeah, hey, amen. Hey, Sister Amy. Sister Amy, she's got the Word of God. I'm not going to let her preach, but she does have the Word of God back there. All right. First Timothy chapter 4, verses 13 through 16. Paul says to the young Man, Timothy, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them. That hear thee. Let's pray. Father, again, we come before you through the blood and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, uh, I'm just uh, so glad that uh, we can give the testimony, those that are saved, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Doesn't matter how long we've been saved, Lord, no doubt we're still thankful. Lord, whether we were seven or 27 or uh, 47, whatever age, dear God, we're thankful for that day you came by. And through the Word of God, Thy Holy Spirit convicted our heart, opened our heart, and helped us to understand the absolute need of the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. And then thank you, God, that, Lord, by faith from your Word, we put our trust in the blood, in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> so I thank you, Lord, for saving me. I thank you for each one here that's saved, and each one that's listening, that's saved. <clears throat> by chance, if somebody's listening or somebody here, the Lord is not saved. Lord, today would be a great day to be born again in the family of God. Lord, please work in that heart. So, Lord, help us today. Lord, you know uh, the, the, the spoken requests that we would have, the unspoken. Dear God, you know what's going on in people's hearts and people's homes and, Lord, job situations, financial uh, situations. Lord, wisdom about making uh, a particular decision. Lord, you're here to guide. You're here to direct. And so, Lord, we trust you to do that. Lord, we rest in your faithfulness. Lord, our desires above all things that today Jesus Christ would be glorified. Jesus Christ would be exalted and lifted up. And, Lord, that through these things you would build your local church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Notice again verse 15. Verse 15 says this. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them. But notice the last part of thy verse, why? <laughs> that thy profiting may appear to all. That thy profiting may appear to all. Notice that statement. want to focus on that thought for a moment. Thy profiting. Of course, we've uh, looked at these verses before. I think uh, last time I spoke from these verses, we focused on verse 13. And we'll notice that for a moment. We said, give attendance. And we talked about the thought of staying the course. 
Staying the course, right? We got saved. Jesus Christ changed our life. He made a difference in our life. He revealed his will to us, right? And right, no matter how long we're saved, as long as we're on this side of glory, we want to stay the course for the Lord Jesus Christ. But if we are staying the course, there should be a noticeable difference and progression in our lives. A noticeable, a noticeable difference and a progression in our lives. And notice that's what he's saying here, at thy profiting. That word profiting means this, furtherance, advancement, progress, a driving forward to go, or I like this thought, a measurable increase, right? So what he is saying here, right, and this is what we should want as believers, and I think as we start this new year, right, use me in 23, Another, what, as we think about moving ahead, what should be our desire? We should want to see this in our own spiritual life, and it should be even noticed by others, right? That, that as we're living for the Lord, as we're serving the Lord, right, they see us progressing in our Christian walk. They see us growing in our spiritual life, right? They see a, a measured difference, right, from where we were, right, to where, we're, to where we are in our Christian life, it, it, right? And so, uh, uh, of course, we want people to see it not in a showy way, of course, if we're trying to show it, then it probably wouldn't be real anyways, right? It's, it's, uh, there's a humility to it. So we should ask ourselves, do people see us, me, as someone who has a true desire to walk with God, right? And do they see, hey, man, there's a person that's walking with God. There's a person that you can see his life changing. You can see that he's that desire to continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. And uh, there should be marked differences, right? Somebody gets saved, we should see a marked difference. But not only after that, throughout their Christian life, right? Year to year, or at least over some time span, there should be marked differences uh, in their life, in their Christian growth. <laughs> now, I give you these uh, verses, right? Now, if you were in Sunday school, you already heard these verses, but I give them to you again. Psalm 2 and 3, right? He read verse 1, so I'll skip that one. But he read 2 and 3, but it says this again, talking about the man of God, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth what shall prosper. Notice that statement. There's going to be evidence. Hey, if somebody's spending time in the Word of God, there's evidence. If some time, someone's spending time in prayer with God, there's going to be evidence. If someone has a heart... Uh, to be a witness and serve the Lord, there's going to be evidence. Joshua 1.8 goes right along with that. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. There is again, that thou mayest observe, who knows what the next two words are? To do. To do. Not just reading it, but hey, I want to learn right? So I can do. I want to learn so this can be active in my life. I want to learn so that I can grow according to all that is written therein. For then, then shalt thou, then thou shalt make thy way, here's that same word, prosperous, and then thou shalt have 
good success. See, a lot of people out in the world, I say, oh, man, he's successful. Again, uh, is he having good success? <laughs> Listen, I just don't want to be successful. I want to have good success. Success, right, that is lived or, or obtained by living a life according to the precepts and principles of the Word of God. I don't want the world's definition of success. I want God's definition of not success, but good success. Success that comes from living a life according to the Word of God and living a life that desires to glorify the God of the Word. And again, we see that same word in both verses, and that word means to be victorious, right? To gain ground, to gain victories, to gain victories in your walk with God. And so that's one of the evidence, right, that you're moving forward in your life. There's going to be victories in your life. When's the last time you shared with somebody? Hey, not, maybe you don't, you're kind of shy, you know, like me, and you don't like to get up in front of people and give testimonies out loud, but maybe just shared with a, a, a spouse or a friend or somebody. Oh, man, let me just share with you something the Lord did for me recently. Let me just share with you how the Lord helped me recently in an area of my life or how the Lord gave me wisdom for an important decision in my life. People should see us prospering and profiting, right, advancing, measurable increase, right, growing upward and victorious and outward in our Christian life. There's this, it says thy profiting, right? Now, of course, it's good to help others. We want to help others, but our ministering to others should be from an overflow of what God has given us, right? We should give from an overflow, not a as you go. In other words, just like, you know, right then. But it should be from an overflow in our walk with God. And these verses give us instruction on how to profit, how to advance spiritually. Right? Now, of course, we know in the context, context it's talking to what? The young preacher. It's talking to the young pastor. And, of course, the pastor has a responsibility to lead in these areas and to set the example in these areas. Man, that's under convicting. May give me a moment, please. Right? Right? <laughs> He's supposed to lead in these ways. But uh, uh, here's the thing. Though he should lead in these ways, we should remember this. Any instruction, no matter who it might be directed to in the Word of God, any instruction that benefits a believer is not exclusive, right? It should be practiced by all. Right? So if this is going to help the, the, the pastor increase in his personal walk, if this is going to help the pastor have a measured increase in his life, if this is going to help him advance in his life, well then, hey, if it's going to help me, well, I'm not going to keep it. <laughs> I'm going to be a better Christian than everybody else. No, uh-uh. I want to get it out there. I want to get, listen, again, we're not, we're not in a competition as believers. We're not here to compete. We're here to what? Complete, amen? Help one another and encourage one another. So that's what we want to do. So let's uh, go through these verses and, and see how we can advance, how we can have a measured increase in our Christian walk. Well, again, verse 13, we see that. Give attendance, uh, of course, to reading. This sort of goes along with what, what he said in the exhortation and to doctrine. Of course, as I mentioned before, reading here, when he says that, because he's the pastor, probably refers to public reading, right? Public reading, 
public exhortation, and public teaching of doctrine when the church is gathered together. So probably in the context, it's talking about public because he's the pastor. He says, hey, uh, you know, make sure you're, you're reading, because a lot of times they would get up and read the Word of God. Boy, you see over in Nehemiah, man, we, man if a pastor reads over 20 uh, verses in a message, man, people are like, oh, man, this is going to be a long one. Uh, we'll never beat the Methodist today, Right? No, but you know, but look at Nehemiah, man. They read, they, they read like, you know, almost the whole day stood there and, and read. But here's the thing. We do it publicly, but they should not go public. Speaking of pastors, and of course, even others, they should not go public till they've gone private, <laughs> right? In other words, uh, if I'm, if I'm going to read in public, I better have spent some time reading private, right? If I'm going to pray public, private. If I'm going to try to encourage all right, and these things. So reading, of course, deals with the source, right? Uh, the Word of God, as uh, Brother Woods teaching in Sunday school. This is the source. This is our authority. So reading deals with the source. Exhortation <laughs> deals with the will, right? We want to preach the Word of God. We want to teach the Word of God. We want the Word of God to go forth and say, listen, this is the will of God for you. This is the will of God for your home. This is the will of God for the church. And you know what? Our job, this is God's will, and our job is to yield our will individually or as a family or as a church to God's will. And the pastor's job is to exhort that way. And then, of course, doctrine deals with the understanding. Doctrine, right? We know what it is, sound teaching. It must be, of course, scriptural. We want to make it clear. We want people to understand it. We want to explain it. And, of course, doctrine should be defended, but most of all, it should be applied. Applied. Because from reading the Word, and uh, again, as it was emphasized in school, I'm trying to promote Sunday school. You can tell that, right? Everybody should be in Sunday school, right? From the reading, why? From the reading of the Word, our will is guided and our faith is grounded. And that's what we want as believers. We want, we want our faith to be grounded, and we want our will to be guided in the direction and in the way that God has for us. Again, as individuals, as a family unit, and as a church. And so he goes on to verse 14. He says, neglect not, neglect not. And what's it here? He says, well, the gift, neglect not. So the, what does that mean? Well, don't neglect it. If you're not supposed to neglect it, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to show care for. You're supposed to show concern for. You're supposed to pay attention to, right? That's the opposite of neglecting. What does it say? The gift. The gift. That word just simply means an undeserved benefit. An undeserved benefit. Children, remember, a gift is an undeserved benefit, and here's a question. We just had Christmas. How many of your children are already neglecting the gift they got for Christmas, right? They're excited. Oh, a new toy. Three days later, Mom, when am I getting a new toy? Huh? No, listen. God gave us a great gift, amen? And we should be not neglected. We should care for it. So now I do believe, now, of course, again, this talking to the pastor here, I do believe God does give gift something, if you will, to those he calls into full-time ministry. Of course, I believe that. I believe when God calls a, a, a man into full-time ministry, of course, I believe he gifts him with something. And he, he better have, and you better know that if you're in the ministry. Because uh, if you ever uh, go things through things in the ministry, a lot of times, 
especially if you're a missionary in a, in a foreign uh, country and things, and things happen, many times the only thing holding you in place is you know God's calling upon your life, and you know you're in the will of God. And when everything's confused and you're trying to figure things out, the only thing keeping you going is you know that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance, and that's what keeps you driving on as a soldier of the cross. But, of course, just because they have that doesn't mean they're saved anymore, and it certainly doesn't mean they're any more special. It just means that God has chosen them to do something in a particular area. But as believers, we all have an undeserved gift. We all have an undeserved gift. Right? We all have an undeserved benefit that we got by grace. He gave us when we got saved. And you know what? We need to keep it stirred up. We don't need to neglect this gift. Hey, I don't care if you got it five years ago or 50 years ago. You should still want that gift to be stirred up. Again, that's what he's teaching all about Psalm 19. Quicken me, quicken me. Lord, you gave me this gift. Lord, you did this in my life. Lord, you've called me to do this. And Lord, uh, listen, I, I, I don't want it to die out, that desire, right? That thirst, that hunger for you. I don't want it to die out. And Lord, if I feel like it is, Lord, please help me not to neglect what you've put in my heart. Lord, help me not to neglect what you've put in my life when you came into my life. Lord, I want to keep it stirred up. I want to keep it, Lord, that desire there. He says this in 2 Timothy 1.6 when he talks to him again. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance. Here he says it directly. Thou stir up the gift of God. Boy, God would say that to each one of us today. Stir up the gift of God that he put in your life that moment, amen, that you trusted him as your personal Savior. Stir up the gift of God which is in thee, of course, by the putting on of my hands. And of course, talking about that special thing. Uh, uh, with Timothy and the ministry. So he exhorts you, listen, God, God uh, wants people to see, and you should want to see your spiritual life profiting. You want to see a measurable increase in your spiritual life, right? At least if uh, at a year-to-year basis, you should notice that. You should see advancement in your spiritual life. And to do that, amen, you need to be reading, you need to, amen, be grounded in doctrine. You need to not neglect. You need to care for and be concerned and keep stirred up what God put in you when you got saved. The second, verse 15, he says, so remember that, read, neglect not. Next two words, verse 15, meditate upon. Meditate upon. That means to give something, right, consideration, serious consideration, right? One, that you might know it well, right? We want to know the Word of God well, right? That doesn't mean that we could stand and quote the whole thing. When I walked into uh, the Mark's Sunday school uh, this morning, right? They, they always get here early, which sets a good example. That's the right thing to do, right? But they were all, I looked down, they were all reading. They didn't pay attention. They didn't walk in. It's like, they didn't lift it. Hey, man, we're good. No, they didn't even do that. When I walked in with it, they kept staring at this little piece of paper. And you know what it had on there? It had a verse that they're trying to memorize, right? I didn't go say, no, come on, Brother Mark, how long have you been saved and you're still trying to memorize verses? No, that's a blessing to see people still trying to get the Word of God 
in their heart. Again, it, it, it doesn't mean you can necessarily stand up and quote everything, but it's in there. And like the Word of God teaches it, when you need it, He knows how to pull it, right? You know, I mean, can you imagine uh, uh, you see somebody at a computer and they're all frustrated and say, what's wrong? I can't find this file. I can't find this file. I need this file. I can't find this file. Well, when did you save it on your computer? Well, I never have. You're like, okay, let's try this again, right? Oh, man, I need something from God. I need something from God. I need something from God. Well, when did you, uh, you know, put it on the hard drive, right? When did you put it in your heart? When did you put it? Well, uh, listen, but you put it there. You put it there. The Holy Spirit knows how to bring it and give you and help you with it when you need it. Meditate upon it, right? Because meditation, right, as you meditate upon things, as you meditate upon the Word of God, as you're trying to make decisions in life, meditation, right, leads to mature reason, conclusions in your spiritual life, right? We need to bring things to conclusion. People say, well, there, again, you know, I told you about the guy that said to me one day, you're too dogmatic, there are no absolutes. And I said, are you absolutely sure about that? Right, he did not respond to that, right? right? God wants us to come to conclusions about important matters in life. And the word of God, as we meditate upon it, will bring us to conclusions and understanding about important matters in our life, right? And you shouldn't rush those things. Know the word of God. And notice it says, give thyself holy. But let's say this. Don't give God your spare time. Give God your prepared time. Don't say, I hear people, well, you ever talk to, invite somebody to church? Well, I'll try to be there. Do they ever show up? Right? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to do this this year. Chances are you'll never do it. Now, I'm going to make a conscious decision to be in the house of God when I'm supposed to be there. I'm going to make a conscious decision to be in Sunday school next Sunday. I'm going to make a conscious decision to be in church whenever the doors are open. I'm going to make a conscious decision to uh, uh, be in my Bible in the morning or be in prayer, whatever it is, Right? All right, so don't give God your spare time. Give God your prepared time. I prepared this time to meditate on the Word of God. I prepared this time to let God stir up that gift within me. I prepared this time in service to the Lord. I consciously did that. Now, of course, you know, it uh, doesn't mean we have to be like this 24 hours, right? Now, of course, God wants us to have time for recreation, but not in neglect of meditation, Right? So God, God wants you to have fun, you know, come wild, wrestle, all that's good, but He doesn't want us to, right, uh, 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 enjoy recreation and neglect of meditation. So we see here, right, neglect not, meditate upon, and then notice verse 16, take heed, take heed. And again, that same thought almost of meditation. It means to fix the mind upon to fix the mind upon. Well, here he says, it, it, when he says meditate, he's telling you to fix the mind on the word of God and some things. And here he says what? Take heed unto what? Thyself. Thyself. And you know what? As you're in the word of God, that'll help you do that. Because when you read, again, like, I don't want to keep talking about uh, Sunday school. You're going to have to, you, I'm going to take up a love offer for Brother Wood after this, this Sunday school, right? So, but here's the thing. Take heed unto thyself. That's what the psalmist is doing. That's why every once in a while he says, quicken me, right? Because he's taking heed unto himself. He's, 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 he's evaluating his spiritual condition, and he doesn't like what he sees. And that's what we're supposed to do. Take heed unto thyself. Preacher, that's right. I got to do it, 
right? And that's why, you know, you hear me? I got to tell on myself all the time, you know? Well, I blew it this week, man. It's a good thing I don't have a dog. I would have kicked it this week, all this, right? Right, we all go through that, right? But take heed unto thyself. That means to fix the mind upon what thyself. Understand where you are spiritually. Preacher, do you know where you are spiritually? Man, I could go to the altar right there, right? Do you know where you are spiritually? You in the pew, do you know where you are spiritually? See, notice again, unto thyself, but he says, not only thyself, unto the doctrine. Doctrine is mentioned again because we can't overemphasize sound doctrine. Know what you believe and why you believe it. It's amazing how many people have been in have been in church for years and still don't know what they believe, or even if they can say, well, I know I'm supposed to believe this, but can't really explain why they believe it. These things ought not to be so, brethren, as they say, right? I want, we should know what to believe, and we should be able to take the Scripture and clearly explain, why do you believe that, right? Because that's what the Bible teaches, and right here are the verses to verify Amen. That's what is taught. Again, Ephesians 4.14 says this, gives this warning, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men, by the slight of men, you know, like, like the kind you see on TV a lot, right? That you kind you see on Twitter a lot and all that stuff. And cunning craftiness whereby they lay they lie in wait to deceive. You know, I'm amazed. As I talk to people that you know are older and I think they've been in church a while, and then I get talking to them and they bring stuff up, and I'm inside I'm going, really? 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 At this stage, if you will, as long as you tell me, you've been saved because, listen, uh, being saved and being spiritually grounded and being spiritually mature are different things. Thank God you're saved, but you start off as a what? As babes in Christ, as eyes of the cereal milk of the word. But what Paul got onto them in Corinth for what? Being, still being babes. Not in the sense of, now you know that word babe there doesn't mean newborn babe, but it means one with stunted growth, right? You didn't grow like you were supposed to, right? Listen, when you're a babe, it's okay to act like a babe. But listen, uh, you know, a few years down the road, again, knowing what you believe and why you believe it. So I'm amazed the things, right, teachings believers get caught up on, right? So that's why it's so important. And it happens because they're not reading the word. You know what happens? Because people, they hear somebody, and you know what they do? They stop reading the word. What do you mean I saw them in their Bible? You saw them in their Bible, but you know what? They weren't reading the Word. You know what they were doing? They were reading into the Word. They were reading into the Word, right? Because they got this doctrine or this teaching they think that, right, they heard somebody say, and so they, they, that person gives them a verse, and they read that. It, that's, man, I think of how many people switched to Calvinism and all that stuff, right? Because I was arguing with a, a friend of mine the other day about it. Why? Because he stopped reading the Word, and he started reading into it. We're not supposed to read into the word. We're supposed to read. That's why even you got to be careful about, uh, uh, you know, like, uh, like when I first got saved, I always highlighted my Bible, scribble, and that's good. But when even that happens, even people that are sounded, that when they read their Bible, they miss out on a lot because they focus only on what's highlighted. That's why it's good to get a new Bible once in a while, right? They start focusing only what's highlighted, and they miss some other things in there that can uh, help them the next time that they go through. And so they are neglecting. They are not meditating, right? They are not taking heed to what's really going on in their life spiritually. 
And notice verse 16 says why? That for in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Save. I this word, I think in this context, we know usually we think of save, we think of salvation. But here it's not talking about salvation in this case, I believe. But the word save means this, to preserve from danger. To preserve from danger. That is the pastor's responsibility. In this case, right, if you go in context, it's false teaching. Go back up to verses 1 through 3 of this chapter. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some doubt apart from the faith. Giving heed. Here it is. Giving heed. See? They're giving heed to somebody else instead of giving heed to their spiritual condition and the Word of God. To seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from each, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Uh, uh, the first three verses of this chapter. You see, that's what happens, right? They, and so he says, listen, your job, pastor, is to save them from that from getting caught up in that. Our pastor job, your, your job is to save yourself from danger. You getting sidetracked because I, we've all seen preachers get sidetracked. So our job is to keep ourselves from getting sidetracked and then get, stop the church from getting sidetracked. The word save means to preserve from danger. That's what we want. In this case, false teaching. And a pastor's desire, a shepherd's desire is to keep you from danger. Right, and also keep himself from danger and getting sidetracked. Listen, and you can help that. You can help uh, 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 the church from getting uh, into danger by putting into practice what we're being challenged to do right here. Notice again, profiting, that thy profiting. That is what we want. God, in 2023, I want people to notice the profiting in my spiritual life. I want them to see at the end of this year, if the Lord should tarry, I want, I want to know I've had, and I want it to be noticeable, not in a boastful way, in a showy way, but there's a measured increase in my walk with God. There's a measured increase in my spiritual life. Profiting, moving forward, moving outward, and moving upward, becoming ever stronger for the Lord. And again, notice verse 15. I've said this, it ends what may appear to all. Again, not just save thyself, but them that hear thee. You see, if I'm going to be a difference maker for the Lord, if I'm going to be a difference, and that's what I want to be, I want to be a difference maker for the Lord. I tell people all the time, the greatest thing in the world as a servant of God is to have an impact on somebody else's life for the cause of Christ, to have an impact on somebody else's life for the cause of Christ. And that's what I want to do, right? It, it appear to all and them that, that hear me. So if I'm going to be a difference maker for the Lord, then there must be a notable difference in me as I walk with God. Again, Philippians 1.25 says this. As we finish up, Philippians 1.25, Paul says to them in Philippi, and having this confidence... I know that I shall abide and continue with you all. And why did he want to continue with them? What to say? For, the fur, for your furtherance and joy of faith. For your furtherance. That's the same word as profiting right there. Right. Why do I want to come? Why do I want to spend time with you? Because, listen, uh, church at Philippi, 
I want to see a measurable increase in your spiritual walk. I want to see a measurable difference in that church for God, for your further. I want to further you along for God. That's what Paul was saying, and he, we want to be further along. So Paul said to Timothy, I want people to notice your spiritual advancement, but he also said the same thing again to the church at Philippi. I want to help you advance spiritually. Again, that's the same word. So as we finish up, listen, it, it, he begins this chapter by talking about the spiritual conditions. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from He says, listen, this is going to happen, and it's happening, and it's happening in our day. But we need to know, stop making excuses about what church frame we're in or whatever. Despite the spiritual conditions around us, despite the spiritual conditions around us, despite what may be going on in, in the world and in our country, we can, in 2023, we can stay the course. And not only that, we can advance the cause by advancing, by profiting in our spiritual life. So this year, let us focus on individual profiting. Lord, I pray for myself. Lord, at the end of this year, if you should tarry, I want to see a measurable increase in my spirituality. And then, Lord, uh, family profiting. Lord, uh, in my family, I want to see a measured increase, amen, in the spiritual condition of my family. And then, Lord, at the church, Lord, if the Lord should tarry, right, I want to see a spiritual advancement in Choice Hills Baptist Church in 2023. So as we're purposing so many things at the beginning, uh, we're not making resolution, we're making purposes, amen? We're purposing, purposing, right? Purpose to make this a year of spiritual advancement. That will be noticeable, amen? And if the Lord should tarry, let's pray.